Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. It is great that you guys are with us, and and I'm so glad to be able to give you this message this morning. My name is Pastor Jim. I'm the lead pastor here, and welcome to our new blended family. This is like, you know, if you, this is your first time here, you are stepping into a very new church. Uh, We're a year and a half old. We're just getting started, and God is on the move already, and uh, we, we were intentional to roll this series out at the beginning of the year. And I didn't intend for the series to go this long, but as I looked at this passage of scripture found in 2 Peter chapter one, if you have your Bibles, you can turn open to 2 Peter chapter one. We've been looking at what Peter writes to us as far as what it takes to really level up your faith. That as we are born again, we've been given a new nature by God to live a different kind of way. But what Peter challenges us in this passage is he says that there are, there are things that we need to supplement in our faith for us to experience this new nature on the outside of our lives. And, and in other words, to work out what God has already worked in. So I'm going to pray and we're going to jump into this. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for all of the lives that are being changed, the people that are being healed, the, the families that are being restored, God, in our new church family. And we just thank you in advance for how you're going to use this time this morning to level us up in our faith. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. I'm going to take you to the passage. We're going to look at this and then we're going to focus on our supplement of the day. It says in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us by himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And jump down to verse 5. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, Moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance or perseverance, as we talked about last week, and then with that patient endurance with godliness. Verse 8 says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we read through these supplements, and we've covered a lot of them now extensively, I don't know which one jumps out to you. Which one you look at and are like, hmm, there's something there with that supplement. Well, today we're talking about godliness, and I've got to tell you that this is the one that's probably the most neglected. But yet, I will challenge you to say it is the most powerful. The most neglected, but yet the most powerful. As you think about this idea of godliness, it may trigger all kinds of different ideas of what you might think godliness is. Some people think it's God-likeness. It's like, some people think it's like some moral code that you're living out in in how you are, are living out this life. 
But godliness, according to the Greek language found in 2 Peter, because remember, our New Testaments were originally written in the Greek language, the word is interesting. And it's worth kind of looking at because if you want to take the supplement, it starts by you understanding what the supplement means. And we want to really unpack it. Here it says, in the Greek language, it's, it stems from these two distinct Greek words. One of them comes from the idea, it says, to step back from someone or something, to maintain a distance, to have an awe, to kind of stare at it with this awe, like, whoa. That, that's part of it. And the second part of the word means abundance or fullness. And so taking these things together, smashing them together to make this word godliness, it really is defined as awe or respect for the divine. There's this, this awe nature. As you think about your relationship with God, as you think about God in his essence, there is this thing inside of you that steps back and just you're in awe with God. He, there's this reverence, and, and some people even say it's a fear. It's just like, whoa, are you kidding me? It's God. That, that's what this word kind of gives us the, the idea of. Uh, we get our word devotion from this. It, it's a devout kind of uh, a view and, and connection with God. You're devoted to God. Now, later on in his letter to, uh, that Peter's writing, in, in chapter three, this is kind of gives you a, a little bit clearer reason why godliness is so important. This, this is why this is, is really uh, important. And the Passion Translation, it reads it this way. It says, the day of the Lord will come and take everyone by surprise. As unexpected as a home invasion. <laughs> I love this translation. <laughs> the atmosphere will be set on fire. Not this one. Not this, not the atmosphere. And vanish with a horrific roar, and heavenly bodies will melt away as in a tremendous blaze. The earth and every activity of man will be laid bare. And since all these things are on the verge of being dismantled, don't you see how vital it is to live a holy life? We must be consumed with what, church? Godliness while we anticipate and help to speed up the coming of the day of God. But as we wait, we trust in God's real proclamation to be fulfilled. There are coming heavens new in quality and an earth new in quality where righteousness will be fully at home. So my beloved friends, with all that you have to look forward to, may you be eager to be found living pure lives when you come into his presence without blemish and filled with peace. So Peter is trying to take us into the future and say we need to live with the future in mind, that there is coming a day where everything that we are comfortable with on this earth is gonna be done away with. And the one thing that is gonna be true of our lives is the presence of God. And so Peter's challenging us to say, hey, kinda disconnect as much as you can from the reality of the space that you're living in now so that you can be more focused on connecting with God in his presence because that's what really matters. Later, Paul writes this in 1 Timothy. It says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for how many things? 
for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So Peter's saying, hey, focus on godliness because, man, God's coming. And, man, that's the most important thing because that is what you're taking with you when you are in the presence of God. But now Paul's saying, man, not only does it have promises for what's to come, it's got promises for you right now. That, that being intentional and adding the supplement of godliness to your life has potential of promises for you right now. And we see this lived out in the book of Acts. We had this in our devotion this week. If you follow along our daily Bible reading plan, we've been in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the disciples of Jesus gathering together after he had ascended into heaven, and they're meeting together. And not just are they meeting together, it says they were devoted to meeting together. Check this out in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43. It says, For they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. The the reason the first church had a spirit of awe moving in their midst is because they had a devotion that was at another level. There there was a godliness, there was a a pursuit of God that was so intentional that everything in their life revolved around them getting a hold of the presence of God. That was their number one focus. We gotta gotta gather, we we gotta press in, we gotta gotta find a, a, a new level to live at when it comes to our relationship with God. Their awe of him produced an awe factor for their lives. Their awe of God produced an awe factor that was lived out in how they were experiencing life. You you might say, if you were to describe the life of the disciples after the book of Acts chapter 2, you would describe it by the word awe. You would describe it by the word powerful. There was an awe in the movement of God in Acts chapter 2, and I'm telling you, it was directly connected to their level of devotion or godliness that they were living out in their faith. If I were to ask you to use one word to describe your relationship with God, would you be able to use the word awe? Would you be able to use the word powerful? Because what I'm seeing in our culture is that we're not seeing a a, a powerful awe movement of God happening in most Christians. It's just kind of, yeah, you know, God's in my life and it's cool. I go to church on Sunday. But most people would stop short of saying that they are living a powerful life in God. Several years ago, when I was leading the Vegas church, I I had just the, the craziest morning worship session with God. I was by myself and I, and I was just, I, I, I had this little sanctuary uh, on our downstairs little office area and I just threw on some worship music and I was just praying and I was, I was getting all the presence of God. I, I was leaning in. I, I, was, I was trying to just grasp the presence of God at another level. And I had this crazy word get downloaded to me. And I didn't even know what it meant at the time, but I wrote it down on my journal. I put death cab for cutie. 
And I didn't know what that meant. And I just wrote it down and I just kept staring at it going, death cab for cutie. Like I know I heard this still small voice inside me say, write that down. So I wrote down death cab for cutie and I'm like looking at it. My daughter wakes up and I said, Kylie, I said, what does death cab for cutie mean? She goes, it's a band. I go, it's a band? Now I, I don't, I don't listen to death cab for cutie, but she was right. It was a band. It's an indie rock band. And so what I did is I, I kind of Googled Death Cab for Cutie because I was like, this is weird. Why? Like, maybe I'm supposed to pray for this band. What? So I, I just kind of do a Google search on Death Cab for Cutie and the song pops up and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to listen to this song. And so I play this song. Now, mind you, this is not a Christian rock band. This is just an uh, indie rock band. I don't even know where they're at with their faith or their belief in God. But in this prayer time, God said, death cap for cutie. So I listened to the song, and, and this is what I heard. How I wish you could see the potential, the potential of you and me. It's like a book elegantly bound, but... In a language that you can't read just yet You gotta spend some time, love You gotta spend some time with me And I know that you'll find love I will possess your heart Now, they're probably singing about their girlfriend. I don't know. But when I heard that, I was like, are you kidding me? God was saying, Jim, I want to do something in this church that is going to be so powerful and so life-changing. But you got to know that the potential is there. But if you want to get there, it's going to require that you spend some serious time with me. And I started thinking about it, like, we need to do, like, a prayer thing. We need to, like, do all of this stuff. And I had a meeting with a friend of mine and his wife, and I didn't know if they were coming in for marriage counseling or whatever. They are just like, we got to meet with you. And so they come that day, like, two hours after I have this little weird death cap for cutie rhema of God. I was weird. And... And I'm still tripping out on that. I meet with this couple, and they, they put a book down on my table, and they said, uh, do you recognize this book? And I said, no. And it said 24-7 prayer. And I said, I, I have no idea what that book is. The, and Russell, my friend, goes, I got it from your garage. You, you had all these books you gave away to me and some of the other, other bros. And I go, oh, okay. Well, yeah, apparently I wasn't that interested in it. <laughs> and he goes, but I took it home, and I read it. And he said, Jim, what is inside this is going to change our church. It, it, it is going to release us to a new level. And when he started speaking this, I got lit up in that, that, that appointment. Because he had no idea that just two hours before in my prayer time, that God downloaded an indie rock band song to me to prepare me that we were going to move to a new level as a church by getting a hold of the presence of God in a whole nother way. And it launched us into a 40-day, 24-7 prayer meeting that we did. We had the luxury of having a building, so we were able to, to lock down one of the rooms 
for 24 hours, seven days a week for 40 days. We started November 15th. We ended it on, on Christmas Eve. That was the end of the 40 days. And I'm telling you, I would have never guessed in a million years what God would have done. I had several marriages that were heading for a divorce that were actually restored in that 40 days. I had several people that were having all kinds of ailments and issues with their health. They came out of that room completely healed. I, I had so many people that were just really far from God, that were really struggling in their faith. They came out, and man, they were working their faith in a whole new way. They were bold. They were courageous. They were inviting people to church with them. It, it just set us up in, in, a, in a position that changed our church and changed our city. And, and I go back to that lyric, how I wish you knew the potential the potential of you and me. See, casual Christianity is not gonna get you to this kind of awe and power. Casual Christianity, where you're just kind of stepping in every once in a while and, and kind of looking in on a relationship with God, you're, you're not gonna live a level of, of faith where you're gonna describe it by the word awe or the, by the word powerful. It's gonna require you digging in and saying, God, I'm going after you with everything I've got. That's what we're talking about. That's the godliness here. Now, of course, when you're living that way, yeah, absolutely. As you are connecting more and more with God, God is showing you to disconnect more and more from other things. There's a natural process as you're leaning into God and you're connecting more with him. He's speaking to you. Hey, if you want to be more connected with me, then you got to disconnect from these other things. Because you can only be connected to so many things in your life. Hello, that's a word for somebody. So there's a requirement of not just connection, but there's a requirement for disconnection. We'll get to that in a moment. But this is what Jeremiah declares to us. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Now I can stop there and you can say, mm, yes. You go to Hobby Lobby, you go to your grandma's house, you're gonna see this verse everywhere. Jeremiah 29, 11. God's got a future and a hope for you. But listen to what it keeps saying in verse 12 and 13. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when, here it is, when you search for me with all of your heart. Not a little bit of your heart. Not, not your leftovers as, as you're going to bed at night and you're already worn out from just a crazy day and you can't even keep your eyes open as you're just kind of trying to tell God, hey, I, I just want to pray a little bit. No, he's saying, no, when you search for me with all your heart, and I love this word in the Hebrew language. This word is darash. It means to, to create a well-worn path to the object of your pursuit. I remember growing up, I had the same path that I took to school every day, and, and it was a well-worn path. We, we see trails all over the place that, that when, when people are walking a path for, for several times, man, it, it wears the ground out. You can see, and what it is, when you're searching for God, when you're deroshing and, and you're going after, you're creating a well-worn path that is just not a passive connection with God. It is an intentional connection with God, it's one that you're, you're creating a well-worn path. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. If you do this, 
Hebrews 11.6, the Passion Translation. It says, and without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he's real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all of their passion and strength into seeking him. If you're willing to make this your passion, then there's always going to be a promise. But, but when you describe your connection with God, can, can you honestly say that you're, you're passionately pursuing him? You're going after him. You're creating a well-worn path because you're going to him so much. Jesus, he had a, an amazing prayer life, but so did the disciples. I mean, they were Jewish men. They, they hung out at the synagogue. They, they knew the Torah. I mean, they knew about prayer. So it wasn't that they were, they were uneducated men when it came to how to pray to God, but there was something in Jesus' prayer life that they circled, they highlighted, and they said, Jesus, you, when, when you pray, stuff happens. When, when you pray, there, there is a power. That, I mean, demons flee. I mean, people are healed. Like, you got to teach us how to pray like that. And instead of Jesus going, okay, let me get out my uh, PowerPoint and let me go over here. This is what he does. He says, let me tell you a story. He says, Luke 11, verse 5 through 8. He says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. He says, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So Jesus seems to be telling us that if we want God to move for us, we gotta beg him. But that's not what he's saying. Check, check out, I'm gonna read from the Amplified version because I believe the Amplified in this, these next few verses really highlights the meaning of the original text. It says, so I say to you, verse nine, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open for you for everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives. He who keeps on seeking persistently finds and to him who keeps on knocking persistently the door will be open. Why would Jesus be highlighting that this is the way we ought to pray? Because Jesus is telling his disciples and he's speaking this to us as we study scripture, that we live on a broken planet. And the current of this fallen planet is coming against all that God wants to release in our lives. There are real demonic forces coming against the plan of Jesus for your life. There are messed up, broken, and sometimes even wicked people that are between you and your breakthrough. We talked about this last week. Pray until something happens. Push. Be persistent. Why? Because there are so many opposing forces keeping you from living the life that God has created you and called you to live. And you're not going to get there through one prayer. 
You're not gonna get there through just casually connecting with God. You're gonna, you're gonna get there when you have a well-worn path and a persistency to say, I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna keep asking what? Because I know that there are principalities and forces and people that are working against what God wants for my life. Daniel chapter 10, I've told you guys this before, but it gives us an eye-opening picture of why we need to be persistent and why we need this godliness, this, this passion, this devotion of connecting with God. It says that Daniel gets visited by a messenger of God. This angel comes and says, Daniel, you've been praying for 21 days. This is where we get our idea of 21 days of prayer. You've been praying for 21 days, but I want you to know right now, God heard you from day one. He heard, he heard you. The first time you prayed, God heard it. But man, I, I was trying to get here in this prince of Persia, this force, this principality, this spiritual being, we don't really understand what it is other than it was trying to prevent God from doing what he wanted to do in Daniel's life. So the first prayer wasn't enough. He needed to pray multiple times. He needed to fast. He needed to call heaven down to earth. And 21 days later, he got his breakthrough. Let me tell you, we live in an instant world where we're used to getting things 30 minutes or less. So we pray one time, we're like, oh, it must not have been God's will. I'm disappointed in God. God didn't bring me my breakthrough. God didn't bring me my promise. You know what? It's not as simple as that, my friend. There are spiritual beings out there that are working against your life from you living out the destiny that God has placed in your life. And you're not gonna get there by praying for a week. Sometimes it takes weeks, plural. Sometimes it takes 21 days. Just ask Daniel. But when he prayed this way, God gave him a breakthrough. How many of you are on the verge of breakthrough, but maybe you stopped short of praying through until you got your breakthrough? That, that, that's what this message about godliness is all about. James tells us that it's the effective and fervent prayer that accomplishes much. Are you willing to put in weeks over praying for something in your family, in your marriage, in your career, in your finances? Are you willing to put in the time? I'm telling you right now, a God story that just happened this week. We have had something like mammoth size in, in our life, like personally, in Tara and I's life personally, over the last probably month two months, and, and we've been praying, and we didn't know how this thing was going to end. We didn't know how, what the outcome was going to, what was going to be, and we just kept praying, and, and we started getting specific words on how to pray, and, and I would say it's probably been at least 21 days that we, I mean, re, religiously, uh, 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 constantly just going and saying, God, we, we're bringing this before you, God. There are principalities and forces of hell that we believe are working this thing, and we need an intervention of heaven to make this thing stop. On Wednesday, I get a phone call. The thing completely that was coming against us completely fell by the wayside. And it, and, it came, and it fell by the wayside by a prayer that my wife specifically prayed. And we were just like, you know, first we were like, what, are you kidding me? And it's like, if you would have saw Tara and I's face, it's like, do you guys really believe in your own prayer? Like, we were shocked. We we're like, wow, we shouldn't be shocked when God moves like this. 
But if how do we not continue to pray over this thing? Maybe that thing would still be looming over our life. There are things that are looming over your life and God's saying, hey, one prayer is not gonna get rid of that thing. There are forces of hell that are involved in this and it's gonna take you putting your war paint on and saying, I'm gonna pray weeks if I have to. I'm gonna pray months if I have to. You know what? If I have to pray for some years, I'm gonna do it until this thing is out of my life. Then check this out. Somebody taught me this years ago. To the degree that you are willing to pray is the the degree that power is going to be released from your life. So I say it like this. Much prayer equals much power. Some prayer equals some power. Little prayer equals little power. No prayer equals no power. Don't be shocked if you don't see the power of God moving in your life. If you're not even praying. But it's your connection with God. It's you standing in awe of God that releases awe into your life. That's what we're talking about. One more scripture here. Matthew chapter 17. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. This is what Jesus says. You unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. I wanna highlight the rebuke of Jesus here because this is worth us circling. There's there's two things here, unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus is is rebuking them saying there's two things in your life that, that we need to circle of why you didn't get your breakthrough. Why this boy didn't get his deliverance? And, and just think about this. Unbelieving, this is, you're, you're just not connected with God. You're, you're not connected to God. And you've heard me say this before, but distance creates distortion. And the less you're connecting with God, the more doubt is gonna creep into your life. Because when you're spending time with God, you are enjoy, you, your level of confidence is rising the more that you hang out with God. Just like when you hang out with a friend. When, when you build that relational equity and you're hanging out with them, you trust them more and more the more that you are with them, correct? This the same goes for God. But, but when you're not connecting with God, it's easy to fall into a place of unbelief or disbelief or doubt, so, so the unbelieving part, this is not connecting with God. But the perverse part, this is interesting, this is too connected to the world. So Jesus is identifying the two things that are preventing the breakthrough of our prayer is one, we're not connecting with God enough, and two, we're too connected to the world. And the world is moving, the current is moving against breakthrough of heaven to earth. Now, I don't need to go into detail, like, what does that mean? Like, how, how are we too connected to the world? I'm gonna, that's the Holy Spirit's job right now to convict you on this. But, but as I'm speaking this right now, there's revelation going on in your soul, going, yep, yep, I, I feel it. I, I, I've just kind of slipped, and, and I've just kind of drifted into this point, and I've connected more and more with the things of this world. And just know that the more you're connected with the things of this world, the less you have the ability to be connected to God. And pretty soon, 
you're praying for powerful things to come in your life and, and, and it just is not able to happen. It just feels like they're, they're, you're just stuck. Like you just can't get this thing that you've been praying for. Jesus says, I'm, I'm gonna identify two things. But I, I like what he does here. He doesn't just leave it parked there. He says, I have a solution. Like here, here's the rebuke, but, but here's the solution. And verses 19 through 21. He says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive that spirit out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you, but, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, some early manuscripts omit that saying, but, but whether it was originally there or not there, the early church says, we've connected the dots well enough to know that powerful things, all moments for our life with God happen when we're praying and we're fasting. So think about this. Prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is connecting with God. Remember that unbelief was not connecting with God enough. Prayer, the solution is, hey, connect with God more. It, it connects us to God. But think about fasting. Fasting disconnects us from the world. So prayer connects us with God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. If you want to level up with your faith, if you want to have faith that moves mountains, that you can describe as powerful, where you're describing your relationship with God to others and their just mouth is open and they're going, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? then it's gonna take prayer and fasting to come against this unbelief and this perversion. That's real. Some forms of breakthrough are only gonna come from prayer and fasting. Now, I believe that, that fasting is, is like one of the, the least talked about disciplines of our faith. It, it, we, we've kind of pushed it aside and it's like, well, you know, that, that was like for back in the early church, you know, and, and that, that's for the traditional church with Lent and all that. I'm telling you, not all the things that the, the traditional churches do today are bad things. A lot of them were started because of Scripture. So you don't just like dismiss them because they're, they're, they're you know, attached to these traditional ways that just don't seem to be very godly. I mean, the whole season of Lent is actually a beautiful thing. And we're kind of moving into our own modern version of Lent here this coming week in these 21 days of prayer. Because I believe that you are on the verge of breakthrough for your life. I believe you are on the verge of breakthrough for your family. I believe you are on the verge of breakthrough for all kinds of little areas of your life. And I believe as a church, we're on the verge of a breakthrough to see a revival take place in our valley. I, I believe it. And I really believe it now that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. There's a prophetic word. I'm not even kidding you. 10 years ago, that said when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it will usher in the end times revival and the world will experience a revival like never before. Now, I, I don't know, but the Chiefs did win, so I don't know. I don't know. But fasting is biblical. 
This isn't something that's archaic. I, I mean, I just have some scriptures. We don't need to, we, we don't have time to unpack this, but write these down, study these. Jesus talks about it. Uh, the disciples practiced it. Paul endorses it. This is stuff that, that we need to see. Fasting is an unusual weapon to come against these principalities and forces that are coming against you. But those spiritual forces need unconventional weaponry to see them defeated. Check out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, when we fight God's way with God's weapons, demonic forces, strongholds, and barriers, they're not just pushed back. They're not delayed. They're not discouraged. It says they're demolished. I've been able to be on Vegas and see these hotels blown up. It's crazy. And they blow up the old hotel. This is the, the imagery that Paul's given us. Like when we enter in with the weapons of our warfare that God has equipped us with, we're gonna see things completely blown to smithereens in our lives. But it's not gonna happen for the casual Christian. It's gonna happen for the people that are all about moving to a new level of godliness, to supplement godliness in their faith, those are the people that are gonna experience it. So, so what, what is a fast? I'm, I'm just gonna give you this in two minutes. This is a two minute version, but on our website, I, I've, I've put a link on our 21 days of prayer that you can go and you can study a lot about fasting. Uh, Bill Bright, the late Bill Bright, who led Campus Crusade for Christ for so many years, I mean, he has some excellent things that he wrote about fasting. And I commend you to go on our website and read some of the stuff that, that he posted. But here, here are the four most common ways that you fast. Because uh, right now, some of you are like, fast? Like, come on, I got a big lunch after church right now. What are you gonna do to me, pastor? It's not all about just like, you know, avoiding food. But here's the, the four most common. Here's a complete fast. In this type of fast, you drink only liquids, typical, uh, typically water with light juices as an option. Now, this is only some people are gonna be able to do this kind of fast. I mean, this is like hardcore. I would call this the Navy SEAL Team 6 fast, man. You're, you're going for it. You're cutting everything off and, and you're just going, but, but I, gotta, I gotta just tell you, you know, there's, there's doctors and medications. And you, you, you gotta really see a doctor before you kind of do this kind of fast. You, you make sure that, that you are physically prepared for such a fast as that. But here's more of a common one is the selective fast. This is, this is um, what we would call the Daniel fast. This is where you take, you know, uh, you know like the, the meat, sweets, and, and bread from your diet, and you just completely remove them from your diet and just consume water, juice, and fruits and vegetables for, for food. And, and this is a selective diet. So you're saying, I, I'm intentionally gonna remove these things from my diet so that I can... I can disconnect more from the world because the idea is as you disconnect your, your body, you're, you're more in tune with your spirit. So, so God is able, you're able to connect on a whole nother level as you disconnect your flesh from just basic things like, like eating sweets. Come on, we, we probably ate enough sweets in December for the whole year. We, we're probably better off regardless of a fast with, with less sweets. And here's the third one, it's the partial fast. Uh, we would call this the keto fast, right? Like you're, 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 you're being specific. I'm, I'm skipping meals here. I, I'm only gonna eat certain, for certain times of the day. But, but it's not just about skipping meals. It's about replacing the meal with something good. Like, hey, I'm gonna skip lunch. I'm gonna do a worship lunch. 
Instead of just going and, and, and eating, I'm gonna get in my truck and I'm gonna just listen to worship and I'm gonna open my Bible. For the time that I would be at Sharky's eating me a burrito, I'm gonna be opening up and listen to Elevation Worship, feed me a big old spiritual burrito. That, that's what we're talking about, partial fast. And, and the soul fast, this isn't necessarily a food, but there are things that we look at and say, I'm just way too connected to these things, and I'm gonna take a season, I'm gonna take these next 21 days, and I'm just gonna unplug from these things. I, I'm gonna disconnect. Some of you, it may be a social media fast. So for some of you, it may be a TV fast. For some of you, it may be a music where, where you know, talk radio or, or, you know, something, you know, your sports or whatever. You're gonna, like, not sports, yeah. And just like, you're gonna disconnect and you're gonna say, I'm disconnecting so I can be more connected with him. That's the soul fast. Now here are three things to expect and I, I got a worship team come on up because I've got to land the plane here. here. Here are three things. The book of Isaiah one of the, 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 the places of scripture that, that we've circled and, and we believe that God sent us here to the Conejo Valley is Isaiah 58. This is kind of like our anthem, if you want to call it that, our, our mantra. In Isaiah 58, it's all about fasting. Great chapter. And it talks about being intentional, about going and helping the hurting and the poor. But, but he, says, he says, when you fast, do it, do it with a pure heart. You're not trying to fast like, God, I'm going to suffer so that you can bless. And no, that fasting isn't about that. It's, it's about disconnecting so that you can connect at a higher level with God. That's all. So that you can hear more clearly the downloads of heaven. But here are the three promises that Isaiah 58 verses 8 and 9, check it out. It says, then your light will break forth like dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your regard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here am I. What we see, you, you see three distinct things here. You see healing, you see holiness, and you see help for your life. And righteousness is simply saying, hey, I, I'm gonna, as you fast, I'm gonna get you on the right track again. I'm going to get you to a point where, where you're setting yourself apart so that I can better use you in your life. Come on, how many of us need a little bit more rightness with how we're doing life? The prayer and the fasting is a godliness at another level that as you supplement your faith with it, you're going to move at another level in your own pursuit of God but you gotta go after them. You, you gotta go carve out those paths, those well-worn paths. And as a church, I'm fired up, man. I've been wanting to do this. I've been wanting to get just to another level with us as a church. I mean, I don't wanna, I don't wanna take anything for granted. Man, God's doing a pouring out that is bigger than anything Tara and I could have ever asked or imagined with what he's doing here. But I want more. It's not enough. Because I know God has more waiting, not just for me, but for this world. And he wants to use me as his conduit to bring it. And the more I'm connecting with him, the more godliness that I'm living out, the more he can use me for his glory, for his excellence, for broken people that are all around us. For, t for 21 days, 21 days beginning tomorrow I want to challenge you you don't have to come with us every 
6 a.m. to 7 a.m. That's just, that's just for those of you who are like, you know what? There's a reason I have a gym membership and I don't have a weight room at my house because I never use it. I need to go to the gym. I need to get out of the house. So that, that's what this is, uh, the six to seven. We're, we just want to create a flow for you to get away and you be connecting with God. So that's what the six to seven a.m. starting tomorrow morning is all about. You don't have to come, but I do want to challenge you. If you want to add this supplement to your faith to level up, then I want to challenge you for the next 21 days to pursue God like you've never pursued him before, to pray like you've never prayed before, to fast like you've never fasted before. And I believe that God has a new level for you to live at. And I believe as we do this as a church, he has a new level for us to live as a church. The best is yet to come. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. <laughs>